Christmas. It's so fun. We have so much going on. Um, I just want to draw attention to, you know, we had baby dedication. We had our first Advent reading. We're going to do communion later. Yesterday there was women's tea. Last night we did uh, the Christmas parade in Pleasanton, which by the way, Lisa Miller, Bill Zenekis coordinated for us, and it was absolutely amazing. We had so much fun. There's rumors that... Yes, good job. There's rumors that there were candy canes flying through the air a couple of times, um, but we're absolutely doing it again. So if you want to be involved, we had people walking alongside the trailer with us, and even even Grandpa was sitting on the on the trailer within a comfy chair. So, um, and then now we're announcing Mexico. We got Christmas carols next week. If we're not careful, they're going to start to say we might be a church. So I want to um, thank all of you and, and acknowledge that, you know, what we do, we, we do because of the Lord, but we do it with people, and you guys make all that possible. Judy. Oh, if I'm sorry, if you didn't get your morning fuel, they're doing another batch, um, which draws attention to another thing. We're getting more people. We're starting to run out of space. We're having to make extra coffee. At least we didn't run out of donuts, <laughs> right? Um, but that's fun because uh, we're supposed to spread the good news and, and such like that. You know, we even have uh, something working behind the scenes in a, a third church potentially coming and sharing property with us and making up. So we're working through the details. We may have an announcement about that uh, fairly soon. But um, we do all of that because of this holiday season. And then that holiday season, you know, between Christmas and Easter, it really does explain everything. And it, it sets the tone, the rules for a whole different game than the world thinks we're playing. And I'm very excited for us to, to continue to do that. So, uh, good morning. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. We are a Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. We're compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship, being a community that serves the greater community. And we've just heard uh, so many different ways that we've been doing that. And uh, let's keep doing that by continuing in our second part of our Christmas series, Christmas Resolutions. Last week we talked about resolving the Immaculate Conception. How do we make sense of that? We've been doing all of this and are going to do all of this from this one passage, Matthew uh, 1, 18-25. And we're going to be doing four more messages on this. I know there's only three more Sundays, and that's confusing for some people. That's because... And this is going to be a, um, a commercial also. On Sunday, the 24th, we will have normal Sunday morning service, 10 a.m. And then at 4.30, we'll have our Christmas Eve service. They are different services. And those will be sermons 5 and 6. So you can go to both 
you don't need, you, you have extra permission to do both on that day. So, and when, as we get closer, we'll probably take a, a vote of hands, like who thinks they're going to be here in the morning, who's going to be here in the evening, so we can kind of organize for that. Um, but last week we talked about the virgin birth and how do we make sense of that and what do we need to resolve to be able to buy into it. This week, I want to look um, at it from a more relational standpoint. There's Mary and there's Joseph. How, how do, since some would say Joseph and Mary, uh, we don't care about the order, but how does that relationship hold together? How did this woman and this man say, yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah, we're going to follow through on this. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. Let's go ahead and read our passage and then we're going to fly along. Uh, verse 18. I think you're in the Luke section. There we go. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. I, I love and hate how that sounds. Found to be with child. Like, oh, surprise. Some people want to say it's a surprise sometimes. Like young girls and young guys, and they, you know, have an accident or something like that. And oops is right. It's not really a surprise, though. We know how it happened. This is the only conception where we have to say, yeah, actually, it was found to be with child because it was a surprise. It's because the Holy Spirit's involved. And we want to buy in for sure that God's involved and that something special happens and that Jesus is on the scene. And those are the main characters of this story. But we do have Mary and Joseph also. And how do they fit into this found to be with child surprise? Her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Amen? Amen. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Wait, if the prophet told him it was coming, was it really a surprise? It was a partial surprise. It was a surprise for them, but it wasn't a surprise that it had happened. It's a little more believable that way. And Emmanuel means God with us. Verse 24, When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Well, may the Lord bless the reading of His Word. Amen? Amen. Um, I want us to look at uh, both of these characters and, and kind of resolve how could this have happened. One of the first things that we have to do in this story is we have to recognize this was no new news to Mary. We think of it surprise or found to be with child, but you know, Mary... We think, oh, this poor girl, how'd she handle this? You know, there's actually more to the story. The book of Luke gives us great information 
about who Mary was? How do we resolve Mary buying into this, believing it, and going with it? In fact, did she believe it? Um, because we, we don't really see Mary say anything in the Matthew passage, 18-25. Right? We get some actions from Joseph, but he doesn't speak either. Who, who are these speechless people? Well, Luke uh, 1, 34 and th- uh, 35 Actually, there's a greater section. Do you, can you, do we have down through 45? Yeah, okay, good. Uh, In the Luke version, an angel comes to Mary and explains everything to her. She has a much bigger conversation and she gets to actually ask questions. Ladies, how many of you would have wanted to ask questions if this was you, (laughs) right? I mean, and we'll get to Joseph in a second. Mary says to the angel, how will this be? Since I'm a virgin, not will this be or how could this be? She asks, how will this be? Almost the way she says it kind of implies she's buying in from the beginning. How's this going to happen? Not, oh, sure, or I doubt you. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's what I was referring to when we prayed for Aniah. That's what we all want. We want God to come and overshadow us and take over, protect, provide, direct, heal. Therefore, the child will be born, will be called holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Ooh. Now she has first-hand uh, experience with another miracle. If I just have the Matthew story, I have a hard time believing that Mary would buy into this. When I get the Luke story with it, and I realize she's seeing God work in other ways long before she has to step into her own miracle, she's seeing her cousin Liz. For nothing will be impossible with God. She had to decide if she believed that. Uh Uh-oh, what's the pastor going to say now? She had to believe that nothing would be impossible with God. What do we have to do? We have to believe that too. We have to believe that things can go well, that He does want best for us, that He does have instructions, that if you follow Him, that they work. And how, How much are we willing to resolve the things that God gives us? That's what this exercise is really about. Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. What's implied there? What's she saying? I'm in. I'm a servant of the Lord. That's strong language. Who's the master now? Not her. She's she's saying, God, take over. Right? Let it be to me according to your word. That's uh, some great submission right there. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to the town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Why did she go there? She heard a story from the angel. She's going to check, right? Can we confirm or deny, right? Um, Next slide. 
uh, and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Ooh. Is an unborn child alive? Is it a life? We got, we got verses for this. And she says, and blessed is she who, what? Believed. That there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And may the Lord bless the reading of this passage as well. I want you to see that the way we resolve Mary is we take Elizabeth's testimony. Mary shows it in such a way that someone else looks at her and says, she believes. I can see it in her. I can feel it. I can sense it. I hear it in her voice, in the way she talks to me. I mean, let's, let's take the most basic of information, right? Why'd she leave her house and travel over to Zacharias? She's trying to confirm, right? If she didn't think it happened, she'd have stayed home and thought, how do I deal with this pregnancy, right? But she's off traveling in her first trimester. At least it wasn't the sixth or third trimester, but <laughs> sixth trimester, that's, that's a long labor. <laughs> No worries, she will travel in her third trimester. That's coming up later in the story. Yeah, I'm just going to start making stuff up. <laughs> um, miracles become believable when we find ways for them to make sense. And the only way that we can make sense of them is the way that Mary made sense of it herself. And remember this. She had way more at stake in believing this story than we have today in believing her story. She decided to believe it for herself. And then she was obedient. She had faith. And that's why she could say, Hmm, this is pretty awesome. You know what follows uh, this, these passages? There's, there's a song. Mary writes a song. Anybody know, remember the name of it? The, the Magnificat, yeah. Uh, where she, go, she busts in, into poetry and rhyme of how happy she is that it is happening, that she has bought in. Best way for us to buy into this story is recognize that the person who was most at stake in the story bought into it. That helps me. Because, boy, I look at Mary and I have doubts. But then if I look at it, how Mary looks at it, was there any doubt? No. She's asking for game plan rather than proof. It's wonderful. So we can resolve Mary that way. Let's figure out how do we resolve Joseph. Joseph, Joseph, um, verse 20, there's a little thing, and we, 
We've skipped over it two weeks in a row, and I, I spent no time on it, right? Um, it says, Joseph was from the house of David. Hmm. If we were in that, uh, what was that, uh, Game of Thrones, he would be House David, right? What does that mean, House David? Shouldn't it, shouldn't it be Joseph was a uh, son of God, or he was... Jewish or Hebrew or shouldn't it say that? Instead, they reference one king, David. What's what's going on there? Joseph was from House David. House David is actually what happens prior. See verse eighteen. That's where we started today. You know what happens in verses one through seventeen? And so and so begat. So it's you don't remember those that we never read. This one we should actually read. Because it goes through this lineage where it takes 14 generations from Adam uh, down to Abraham. Abraham, uh, 14 generations to the exile. And then from the exile, 14 generations to Jesus. Right? We get to Jesus. And what's that line? From the beginning, we're going all the way down through David to say he's from one tribe. Remember there were 12 tribes? You, do you remember this story? There were 12 tribes. Because there were 12 little boys. Right? How many of those 12 little boys were good? This, this gives me great joy in my uh, lack of parenting skills and how I've messed things up. Because even uh, Jacob, who became Israel, uh, he had trouble with his 12 boys. Maybe two of them were good. Right? That's not a very good ratio. But uh, who's the oldest? Nobody remembers that story. Not, the McGrogans remember that story. <laughs> Reuben, right? He's the firstborn. He's supposed to be the top of the family. Guess what? He's not. Well, then it must have been the second child or the third child, you know, Simeon or Levi. No, they didn't get the blessing. The fourth kid. Dad said, okay, you're actually a good kid. You're going to be the top tribe. What was his name? Judah. And God has orchestrated ever since then, the kingly line came through that one tribe, Judah. And the prophecies, one of them we just read, said you're going to have an ultimate king, an ultimate priest, an ultimate prophet. He's going to come from the line of Judah and he's going to save the people from their sins. When Joseph heard this story, there's one part that he knew and understood and believed and had no problem with. He's from the tribe of Judah. I know what's supposed to happen, he would say. Eventually, this is going to happen. I know the prophecies. I know which tribe it's supposed to come from. The only problem is I'm, you're, ha you're doing it to me. <laughs> Now, if, it's, if you get stuck in a difficult situation, that's one thing. If you know God has a plan and has talked about that plan and He works out His plans and they are for good, all of a sudden the difficult becomes just a little bit of pain, a little bit of cost, right? I love uh, the quote and I forget where it's from. Pain is just fear leaving the body. We're just going to get through it. How do you get through it when you believe that there's a God with a plan who communicates that plan and then he orchestrates that plan? And at the end of the plan, he saw all that he had made and he said that it was very good. 
I don't think Joseph was surprised. I've read this story and heard this story from the time I was a little kid, right? Kindergarten and family stopped going to church and I'm telling my parents, hey, how come we're not going to church? I didn't even know it was church. Hey, where's that place we used to go every weekend and they had toys? (laughs) Can we go back there? That's how I asked to go back to church. From way back then, I've been hearing this story and every time I hear this story, a light comes on in me that I'm surprised like how could this work how could this work for Mary how could this work for Joseph I'm starting to understand more and more that just because I'm surprised it never needs to mean they were surprised it's just because I'm confused never means someone else has to be confused and really when I'm surprised and when I'm confused, I can have a confidence that God is never either of those things. In fact, I think he was up in heaven. You've seen Pinocchio working the strings with the puppets. I think God's up in heaven. Oh, watch this. I'm going to do this to Mary and Joseph. Oh, <laughs> this is fun. Hey, come check it out. He knew exactly what was going on and he was making it happen. I love that. And he makes it happen even when the boys misbehave. Right? Even those boys that were misbehaving, they got a tribe and they got to do things. They got to be part of things. And you can too. And what if you got beyond the surprise in your life of what God does or is doing or asks of you, requires of you, and you say, I'm going to stop crying about it. And I'm just going to go with it. Kids should be in church. Amen? Amen. All right. Usually I don't even hear him because I'm so one track mind. Joseph was from the house of David. He was a Judah tribe man. And he knew what was supposed to happen. We love that. It's why we get this story. This is um, the beginning of Matthew chapter 1. You know where we are? There's a little intro page right here with background information. If you have a study Bible, which you all should, okay, and yes, your pastor just should on you, okay, get yourself a study Bible rather than the cheap version. But right there, it's, this is where it starts, and what's this? This is the beginning of the story. You need to know where God's been, where these people came from. Why? Because it gives context. And we love context. This context and the story helps us to understand number three. Their faith let them experience what took place. I was having a little fun the last few weeks reading through this passage regularly and that little phrase... This all happened to fulfill what took place. (laughs) Is their faith, them believing, them jumping in, them going to see Elizabeth, them listening to the angel. And what does it say? Adam or uh, Adam. Uh, Joseph woke up and said, okay, that's what I'm doing. He obeys. 
It's that faith and the follow-through of that faith that gave them a different experience. You, you realize the bragging rights they get to have now? They're up in heaven and people are walking through heaven. Hey, there's Mary and Joseph. They were the ones. right? They get to have that experience. What experience do you get to have? What could faith and belief and action based in faith and belief what could that do for you? If you avoided some of the things God says to avoid, how about you avoid all the things He says to avoid? Right? If you tried some of the things that He wants you to try, how about you try all the things that He wants you to try? What would happen to you? Joseph and Mary figured it out. Do you, do you know what's going to happen like before you have a kid? I'm so I'm so wrapped up in Anaya this morning. I'm so excited, right? But before you have a kid, what what do you know? You might want a kid. That's about the most you know, right? Hey, I might want to have a kid, or oops, I'm having a kid, right? As somebody said in the third row, which was very great. Oops, <laughs> right? Then why do it? Famous last words, right? Hold my drink while I try this, <laughs> right? We're going to try it because we want to see what happens. What if you did that with God? Because he, he tells the best stories that actually work. And here's the thing. It's an equation. It's an equation. I did a lot of math as a kid. It kind of came naturally to me. And what I really loved about math is when you did a problem and you got the answer, it was over. There's no discussion questions. You don't have to look for themes or background. No. There's a number, 5.7. That's the answer. Sweet. Off to recess. <laughs> right? I love that it made sense and there's an answer. We absolutely love the artistic part of life. And yes, we do affirm that God works in artistic ways. Namely, that every single one of you looks different than every single other one of you. Do we appreciate that God's an equation as much as He is an artist? He has certain things He says, this is the way it works. You pursue this, it will take you down the road to destruction. You pursue this, it will twist you. You pursue that, it will give you an appetite for something. If you do this... It will heal you. If you do this, it'll be a blessing. If you do this, you'll be closer with me. If you do this, it will grow your faith. And then you get to a place where you start experiencing God on a level different from those around you. <gasps> Scar, are you saying that God is not fair? Yeah, it's one of my favorite parts about Him. <laughs> I've been blessed way beyond many of you. Praise God. I'm sorry for you and not sorry. <laughs> right? I, let's be honest, right? These two should be a little bit more happy than you right now. I mean, look at this beauty. You should see her. She's smiling right now. She's so happy. She's agreeing with the pastor. She's clapping already. I love this. Um, how could you get an advantage? You know, there's people in the Bible that pray to the Lord, God, give me an extra measure of blessing. Do they get it? Yeah. Why? Because they tried. 
I've coached way too much soccer. Who do I sub out? Sub ref. Hey, Johnny, get off the field. Why? They didn't try. You stop trying. Because they're tired, because they're confused, because they're scared they'll fail if they try, and so they don't try, so they can't fail. I hate that one the most. What if that was theological? What if we fail to try with God? What if we fail to pray specifically and ask Him for exactly what we want in deafening detail because we're afraid of what would happen? What if He didn't answer? What if He told me no? Well, what if He did tell you no? What if you didn't ask for enough? What if your specific deafening detail was average in His book and He wanted to give you something better? For nothing will be impossible with God. Joseph and Mary understood it. Understand it yourself. Start asking for more. Start believing more. Start restraining more. Restraining what? I don't have to tell you, you know. Right? We don't want to have awkward silences. <laughs> All right. Um, I want to close on this. Merry Christmas. Have you started Merry Christmasing people? I'm, my favorite is when you're in a store and they probably have a policy for their employees. Happy holidays and a Merry Christmas to you. Hey, once Thanksgiving's over, it's free game, right? And if you're in Costco, you can start in August because once they get the deep stuff out, you can start saying Merry Christmas. Um, this is the story, folks. This is a story that we need to share and we need to draw attention to. Do the lights and the ribbons and the Christmas gifts and, and do it to the nines. And if somebody says, oh, it's so materialistic, say, have you met my God? He made all material. What are you talking about? And Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> right? Have some fun with it because we have a God of the Immaculate Conception. And we have a God of a Mary and Joseph who should have been surprised, scared out of their mind, and doubted with every core of their being. And they said, no, I'm fully in. Thank you, I'll have another. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for Anaya, Lord. You just keep thinking about how what a blessing that you are to us in so many ways for this family with her but in for all of us we you give us experiences you give us talents and opportunities you give us people and relationship and may we be like mary and joseph and remember your acts in the past your faithfulness may it give us confidence for the present and hope for the future lord today our reading was about hope our advent reading we acknowledge that you gave Mary and Joseph enough that you instilled hope in them. Please do the same for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen? Okay, as if we haven't tried to accomplish enough today, we have communion this morning. Um, have you ever had communion with Mary and Joseph and Jesus? This would be kind of fun. It's all broken. You can come up and you can take and dip. I was told that there's uh, gluten-free back here somewhere. I, th I think it's in the back section of the bowl. Um, but I want to 
draw attention to the idea that we have hope because of what happened on the cross. And we have miracles and we have ways in which God moves and makes room for everybody. Amen? Maybe your prayer as you participate this morning is about what does he want you to have hope in? And so God, we thank you for your son and for his broken body, his shed blood. We thank you for the bread and the wine and what it represents. That sacrifice who proves who you are, what's important to you, how we matter to you. May all of those be things that build in us hope for the miracles we get to experience. The great of which is the greatest of which is you. And so we do this in honor of you and your son. We pray this in his name. Amen. May you have hope. Amen. Go with him.